Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast in association with The Telegraph. This week we're reviewing and previewing the action here at the 2016 Aegon Championships from the Queen's Club West London. Today, Andy Murray beat fellow Brit Aliash Badene and now plays another Brit, Kyle Edmund, tomorrow. Leon Smith, Davis Cup captain and a man who knows them both well, gave the Tennis Podcast an insider's view. Of course, you, you, you'd think Andy would, would, would be the is the hot favourite in this one but Kyle's got enough in his game to cause problems he has a big serve he's got that huge forehand so it won't all be one way street there's life on tour but I spoke with Kelsey Anderson earlier who is a wife on tour and she tells us about her travels with husband Kevin I take care of all the little details Um, I do his bookkeeping and uh, a lot of the accommodation and hotel bookings and all the little things that need to take place behind the scenes so Kevin can get from point A to point B be well fed be well rested and show up and compete at the best of his abilities. All that plus Andy Murray, Kyle Edmund, Bernard Tomic, squash champion Nick Matthew. And before them, it's Whitaker and it's Salmon here on the Tennis Podcast. Gigi, we must start, mustn't we, with Aliash Badene against Andy Murray because it's the first all-British clash here in more than a decade, which is quite significant. It didn't quite live up to expectations in terms of the quality of the battle, but Andy Murray was good today, wasn't he? He was. I don't think it was a memorable match for either player, to be honest. Spedne, 58 in the world, he's really struggled and we've talked about the not being eligible to play for the Davis Cup and maybe appealing that and he was going out in the first round of tournaments after tournaments he got to the French Open. He won a couple of rounds. It's the first time he'd won consecutive matches since Chennai at the start of the year. So he's starting to build his confidence up but yet the difference was clear to see against Andy Murray. He's got better movement, he's got better touch, he's got a better feel, he's got better everything on the surface but so he should have because he's the world number two, he's the British number one but it was nice to see an all-British clash. Yeah, it was just one of those matches wasn't it which shows Andy Murray's class because Bedene gave a perfectly good account of himself didn't crum- crumble under the pressure or the occasion it's just Andy Murray is a class above which is above most players I don't think Andy Murray put that on the highlights reel. There were a few things that didn't work for him. The the muttering and the mumbling did start. So for those who say with Ivan Lendl in his corner, he doesn't mutter or mumble. Yes, he does. I did have to apologise on a couple of occasions for the Murray language. So he was frustrated out there. There were things that weren't working for him. But you know what? He did the job. He was professional and he got it done. Maybe he's getting the hairdryer treatment from Ivan Lendl as we speak, though, for those mutterings. 
Well, the last time we saw him down in the Players' Lounge, he was heading off sharpish to make sure he made bath time with Sophia and he seemed in a good enough mood. So I think he'll just be happy that he came through this match and that the weather didn't un- interrupt it like it did the end of the day and he's through to the quarterfinals. He did. He seemed in a jolly old mood, didn't he? And he now, as I said, plays Kyle Edmund, who benefited from the very disappointing withdrawal of Paul-Henri Mathieu from their second round match earlier today. It's a first ever quarterfinal here for Kyle. It's a first ever quarterfinal final on home soil and I caught up with him about his 2016 Aegon Championships. I've been watching this tournament from a young age um, on TV. Um, I got fortunate enough to get wildcards playing it two years ago and now as you say reaching the quarterfinals it's a good opportunity for me. Uh, I'll be playing a Brit which uh, which would be a good thing as well. Obviously odds wise there's a greater chance that your opponent will be the world number two Andy Murray. You've never played him before. Can you talk a little bit about how much he's contributed to your development as a tennis player over the last few years? Uh, he's been great to me. Um, I've spent the last three pre-seasons with him um, and been able to spend time on and off the court, uh, seeing what he does, and um, you know you can see why he's world number two. He puts in a lot of hard work, and it, it's great for me to see. It helps me improve my game. So that's Kyle Edmund through to a very first Queen's quarterfinal. We hope the first of many in years to come. And as we say, he will take on Andy Murray. And here's what Murray thought of things. Um, I thought it was not bad. I mean, um, you know, it was a very different opponent to, to my first round. My, my hoops obviously come into the net a lot. And, you know, Ali Ash plays, you know, most of the time, obviously, from the back. And, um, you know, a few more rallies, um, you know, and still just getting used to the conditions a little bit, but uh, did well. It's 10 years since you played a British person in a tennis tournament, and that was Tim Henman, which sort of feels longer than 10 years ago with respect to Tim. Did that have any bearing on today? Um, no, not for me, really. I mean, obviously, it was better that all of the British players are doing well and uh, obviously play Kyle in the, the next round. So, um, you know, it's obviously yeah, it's been a long time. I'm happy there's more Brits around in the, the, the bigger events now. And... Um, I actually had a feeling I was going to play uh, one here. I just, when I spoke to my team, I said I thought I was going to play one. So, um, yeah, it was good. Well, you wait 10 years for one and two come along in a rush. So you have got Kyle Edmund in the next round. He's spoken in a press conference early on today in glowing terms about what he owes you as an inspiration to his career. What's your assessment of him as an up-and-coming star? Yeah, well, I mean, Carl's improving all of the time. Um, you know, it's been a steady progression with him. It's not been like one massive leap, but just every year getting a little bit better. Um, you know, he's he's very professional. He works hard. He has a good team around him. Um, and yeah, he, he's going in the right direction. So, you know, hopefully this year, you know, he can finish higher than, than he did last year, um, you know, and keep keep progressing on all of the surfaces. You know, it's good for him to to get to the latter stages of these events on grass courts. He's done well on the clay in the past and he likes the hard. So, um, yeah, he's doing well on all of the surfaces, which is positive. So Murray versus Edmund then, quarterfinal at the Queen's Club. We can't wait for that one. Just to run you through a few other results, well, all the other results really in the singles side of things from Thursday. Milos Raonic beat Yuzhi Vesely in straight sets. Gilles Muller, he beat John Isner. Tomic, he beat Vidasco. A very good win for Bernard Tomic. And you caught up with him afterwards, didn't you, Gigi? And he seemed in fabulously high spirits, so, so relaxed. 
He seemed very relaxed and we spoke to him after the press conference, which was predominantly the Australian press. And Bernard Tomic, he's a very honest guy. If you ask him a question, he'll answer it. It does sometimes depend on the mood, but he was he was very humbled. He spoke a, a little bit about... They were very interested in how he turned things around because he dropped that first set. And when we spoke to him, it was a little bit more general. We wanted to speak to him about Leighton Hewitt, who's been by his side, how he's enjoying things in general. And first up, how happy was he with that victory over Fernando Vadasco? It was a tough match, and to win it 6-4 in the third against Fernando was uh, was very pleasing for me. When you get to the grass court season, do you smile and think, yes? Do you think, oh, no? Yeah, I love the grass court. I'm very happy to get back on it. Um, I think clay is my least favourite surface. So for me, grass, uh, I have many memories of playing uh, some of my best tennis on it. So when the grass court uh, swing comes, I really enjoy it. And good preparation to face Shield Muller with the lefty and Vadasco. Yeah, it was... Um, I couldn't ask for anything better, so I'm very pleased that I played a player that I'm playing similar tomorrow and I have to go out there believing I can win. He does serve and has one of the best serves left-handed in the world, so I have to be on every ball and compete and try my best and maybe I can win this match. Frustrating week in terms of the weather, it's just started raining now, but what they do have here is the Players' Lounge. So what is your favourite thing to do down in the Players' Lounge and why? Uh, I know, I know, the weather kind of sucks, you can say, here, but I like the table tennis here. I'm uh, pretty good at ping pong so I've been kind of on that the past uh, few days you can say. Have you been into the grooming parlour because we took a player in there earlier today to have a sort of facial massage? Well I saw that they have the little uh, shop set up which is uh, pretty cool Um, but I got my haircut done last week so um, maybe I won't be needing it this week. Do you manage to find time during what is a very short grass court swing to actually go out and about in London and do something that isn't to do with tennis? Me, not really, because you know it's it's the time for me to play well, and everything's so focused. So it's um, it's really tough to go out and find yourself, especially with the weather and, and the lightning. So um, I'm uh, I was a bit scared then. Um, we all were, not really, but after after Wimbledon this year, I'll go somewhere and venture one day. Are you able to switch off, or is tennis always there? Me, I'm a good, I'm good at that. I sort of distract myself after I'm done with tennis and do something completely different. But um, it's uh, it can be very tiring at times. We've seen Leighton Hewitt with you. What's his role with you, and how nice is it to have someone like that with you? Yeah, he's uh, coaching me, and uh, I'm very happy to be for him to be here. He's such a legend and a big idol for me, and uh, not just for me, for many people around the world and kids. And to have him here. Um, and supporting and, and helping me and uh, coming to Wimbledon is a huge thing and uh, I'm very happy to have him by my side. Well, that was Ben Atomic looking in fine fettle, it has to be said, at the Queen's Club this year. That little interview with Gigi took place just a couple of paces from where we're sitting, which we probably should mention, Gigi. We're sitting in the press conference room as if we're holding our own little press conference, except there's no journalists here wanting to speak to us. But it is a lovely, lovely setting to record a podcast, isn't it? Yeah, it was announced to the press that we would be holding a press conference and uh, nobody turned up, so it's just ourselves, our producer. Actually, as I speak, the door is about to open, so maybe we have a late arrival for our press conference. Nope, they've thought better of it and they're not coming in. They've, so peeped, they've peeped around the corner and decided decided against. You thought you've got to be kidding me. And it is, a, it is a very hot room, I have to say that. There are no windows. We just about figured out how the lights work and... Uh, yeah, we're, we're fairly alone in here. We, are. we weren't alone earlier, though, were we, Gigi? We caught up with Leon Smith, Davis Cup captain, to talk all things British, Murray, Edmund and everything. At the end of the day, we've had a, a number of years where there's just not been another top 100 player uh, for Andy to even think about coming up against in the draw. So now we um, have four 
it obviously increases the chances of it happening and let's just hope we do see a bit more because it, uh, it just adds a little bit of something for, for us watching and uh, following the British players. I think today's match, I think um, you know Andy would be pleased with his performance. Very different match to what he had in his first round against Mahu. Which, you know, very contrasting styles. Mahu going to come forwards a lot. Aliash Berani doesn't come forwards that much. He's much more comfortable playing from the baseline. Moves terrifically well. So for that, we got to see some really good rallies, good exchanges. Saw the strengths of both players, but you just felt that in pretty much every area of the core, Andy was obviously the dominant force, and that's how it played out. But Alias played very, very well and should be should be pleased with his progress over the last few weeks, which has really helped him now get on track for the rest of the year. Cutting straight to the chase, as we like to do on the tennis podcast, does Kyle stand a chance tomorrow against Andy? Look, it's, it's, it's a, look Andy goes in his hot favourite, let's be honest. He's one of the best players in the world, one of the best grass court players, of course, his record. So it's a tall order for Kyle, but... You know he's earned his right to be there. He got the the rub of the green, so to speak, uh, today with the, the the withdrawal of Paul Henri Mathieu. But you got you got that off the back of a fantastic win against Gilles Simon. Uh, and if you do that, then something can happen. Um, but he's in the quarterfinals. He's going to play in one of the best courts that that there is on World Tour on that centre court at Queen. So he's had the experience. One of one of Leon. One of. There are a few, <laughs> the, um, but I think it's it's a great moment for Kyle, um, and he won't be. I don't think he'll be overwhelmed because they know each other very well, and Andy's been unbelievably generous for his time to Kyle as he's been growing up at those pre-seasons and various hitting opportunities through the year at Davis Cups as well. So, yeah, they know each other very very well, um, but of course, you, you you'd think Andy would 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 be the is the hot favourite in this one. But Kyle's got enough in his game to cause problems. He has a big serve, he's got that huge forehand, so it won't all be one-way street. And I think a point that Leon made when we were chatting about this earlier is that Andy Murray will pay the utmost respect to Kyle Edmund. There'll be people thinking, oh, well, this is straightforward, this is this is Andy Murray. This is like sort of master against disciple, but he's trained a lot. Kyle goes out to Miami and has had training blocks with Andy Murray. He knows what he plays, like. he knows the potential he's got, so he is going to respect Kyle Edmund and his game 100% in that quarterfinal. There is the facet to this, though, that often players that Andy does take under his wing, players that really look up to and almost idolise Andy Murray, we'd put Nick Kyrgios in this category possibly, they really play badly against him. They freeze a little bit under that pressure of playing somebody who they feel that way about. Do you think there's any risk of that happening to Kyle? No, I mean, I know what you're saying with those matches that that Kyrgios, but I think Andy also makes them play badly. I think by knowing where to put the ball, not necessarily hitting... You know, lots of winners against them, but how how do you make the opponent miss more? How do you make them play badly and force them to make mistakes? And that's what Andy will be trying to do against Kyle tomorrow. But I think it's a, look, it's a good match because again, you've got contrasting styles. You've got Ketters is uh, Ketters. They're going for his nickname there, isn't it? That's just default. Kyle. Where, where does that come from? That nickname? Well, just because you see his name in a draw, it's obviously K, and then goes straight to Ed so we call him Ked everyone thinks we're shouting come on kid on the course not we say come on Ked because it's just it runs into each other and then it became Kedders so, gotcha okay so yeah <laughs> I had failed to figure that out until now <laughs> so there's so so with Kyle you know you've got contrasting styles he goes after the ball he's got a big serve he's got that huge forehand and uh, and he's obviously one of the the, the best uh, counterpunches defensive players, but of course has started to play more aggressively. So, look, it's it's a good match to watch. We'll see some great tennis out there, and uh, I think it's it's a good day for British tennis to see that at the quarterfinal stage. Absolutely. And now this is the first time, first opportunity we've had to talk to you, Leon, about 
the Murray-Lendl reunion. What was your take on it when you first heard? Did you think this would happen? I famously uh, didn't think this would happen, <laughs> Leon, and rather put my neck on the line about it. Did you think it would happen? I think um, I think there was always a chance, and, and I say that because uh, I'm obviously lucky enough to be around uh, the various coaching teams, and when Andy and Ivan were together, there was there was clearly a respect across both each other. Everyone talks about Andy's respect for Ivan, but Ivan clearly respects Andy a lot as well, and uh, the success they had together, um, Andy's best spell, of course, that you'd think it would be... Uh, normal for Andy to to want for that to to get together again, um, and when we heard there were that there was going to be a reunion uh, of that, I was absolutely thrilled because I just think it's a a, a coach player relationship that it's uh, meant to be. I think it it fits really well. I think with what Ivan went through in his career, you know, losing Slam finals talked a lot, but also what he won as well. I think the way he was in terms of his discipline, commitment, professionalism really resonates with Andy. Um, and I think uh, I, I think it's something that's needed for Andy. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done it. Andy knows himself better than anybody else. But that feeling of having Ivan in your corner again is something that I think will help when Andy gets to more major finals. And Leon, how important is it the relationship between Ivan Lendl and Jamie Delgado is going to spend so much of the year on tour with Andy? Yeah, it, it, look, Andy said before, um, sorry they're putting me, <laughs> putting me off as Andy's team in the background as I'm trying to talk about him, but he's got a great team. As they walk up the <laughs> yeah, but he has. I mean, I think with Jamie Delgado, Andy's been very forthright and, and rightly so, saying Jamie is a really, really good coach in his own right. I've spent a bit of time since the start of the year, and you can see that uh, his, he's very knowledgeable. You know, he knows other players on the tour. He had that great spell with Gilles Muller, where he's gathering a lot of information on on players, scouting reports. He's very analytical, um, very organised. I've been really impressed by it. Um, and so if anyone thinks for one minute this is like a, a, a travelling companion, hitter, guy that does the stuff that Ivan doesn't want, they're absolutely wrong. He's a really, really good coach. Um, and I think this is why, uh, and part of being a really good coach is being open to understanding what your player wants and what the player needs and what's best for the player and what's best for Andy is having some having Ivan around again. And Jamie will buy into this fully and I think it will complement everything. It's a win-win for everybody. It sounds to me like you're thinking of this, this new Murray-Lendl relationship as less about forehands and backhands and more about the mental side of things, just his presence around him and maybe about, I don't know, the word that, that strikes me is a ruthlessness. He was ruthless when he had Lendl around last time. Is that what he needs to bring back? Yeah, I think a, a single-mindedness in the approach and, and having the confidence to execute the things that he probably knows and, and has like someone that Jamie pointing out on a regular basis, and Andy knows himself as well. Andy's very, very astute with, with everything on and off the court. But having Ivan come in as a, a really strong leader, you know, he's got that authoritative uh, nature about him that's able to say, look, come on, let's commit to this, let's do this, and then Andy buys into it, obviously, in, in a stronger way. It's just the execution of it becomes that probably that little bit clearer. Just a word from you, well, last couple of topics. First of all, the Wimbledon wildcards. Gigi and I were delighted when the Wimbledon wildcards came out because we were watching the first Andy Murray-Ivan Lendl practice the other day and Alex Ward, 
he was hitting with Andy. He played a very real, very big part in that. And none of the photographers took a single oh. photo of him. They were all trained for the full hour on Andy, Ivan and Jamie. And we thought, when's this guy going to get some limelight? And then the next day... Catherine, we're also semi-to-blame because when we did our re-gripping, he re-gripped, but we didn't film him re-gripping. But we're delighted to see him receive that wild card. Jamie, uh, Liam Brody as well, and, uh, and James Ward. What's your take on that? One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny System, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny System with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. Yeah, I think it's uh, it feels right for the players that have got it. The the committee at the All England Club, uh, you know, are so much knowledge and experience within that group with Tim Hemman involved as well that we can have a really open dialogue about who we recommend to them. So I think if you look at each of those, James Ward, you know, he made third round last year. He's struggling a bit. He had that really tough time last year with Darren Tandy, his coach, passing away. Uh, but he's a Davis Cup champion. He played a big part in that, so I think it feels right that he's he's getting that opportunity. I think with Liam Brody, he's only 22 years old. He obviously had a good win there last year in five sets. Um, again, he's he's struggled a little bit since then with some changes in coaching situations. Um, but this this allows him. I think in the last sort of month, he's made a semi-final of a challenger. Had a good win against Sam Groth. Um, so he's starting to pick up a bit of momentum coming into the grass court season. It's a great opportunity for him to build even more for the summer and then Alex Ward who you've mentioned you know I've known him for a long time he was actually uh, in my first Davis Cup tie against Turkey in Eastbourne he was uh, our hitting partner that I brought because I knew him well he was a great guy he'd actually made a quarterfinal of a challenger on grass that year uh, in Nottingham uh, beating Taylor Dent along the way which is a good scalp when he was playing so he can play on grass and a, and he's a great guy with a great attitude invests every dime he's got into his tennis um, and, and importantly okay it's not like this rapid growth of ranking but look he's at a career high this now at 26 and a career high means that you are still improving still going the right things um, and look the way that Andy has then now suddenly taken him in hitting with him a lot you know, Andy's very savvy, so is Ivan, so is Jamie Delgado. They'll see someone that's worth 
inviting along more and more, and that's what's happening. And I think it's great that he's got this opportunity to go out and, and play at play at the championships. And he's got a fan club now in me and Gigi, so he's got all the tools <laughs> to go on and succeed. Just finally, Leon, a word from you on the honour that was announced last week for Jamie Murray. He's an OBE now. Gigi caught up with him yesterday about it, and uh, he seems delighted. I'm going to ask you about yours as well. Well, Jamie, you know, what he's done in his career, uh, I think, is terrific. This last 12 months, he's obviously had so much um, praise uh, and recognition for what he's done, which is testament to what he decided to do. Like a few years ago, he was struggling. Um, I think he was questioning where he was going in his, the direction of his career. And then he had one of those moments where he's obviously decided... And, and rightly so, and, and thank goodness he did, is that I've got so much talent, so much ability, so much still to improve. He got back on uh, with Louis Caillé to really work on his game. He travels with a wonderful uh, Scottish coach called Alan MacDonald uh, on a full-time basis as well. And he just went about dedicating himself, and then the results were there to see just a terrific last 12 months, and uh, it's very well-deserved. Leon, you've of course received one as well. Do you know the circumstances and what, how it actually happened? Yeah, I'll have to probably check the letter again, but I think you basically... But what does the letter look like? It looks very fancy. It's very nice. It's a real honour when it comes through the post, and uh, you got that... Obviously, time where you don't tell anyone. It's a, you know, it's very. How long was that time? I think it was like seven, six, seven weeks or something. We got the letter. Um, I didn't know Jamie got his because I didn't tell him. But uh, I only. Did you tell anyone? Oh, I told my wife and I told my parents, and that's it. I didn't tell my brothers, nobody, no friends. So I really kept it under the radar. Um, And then it was nice, obviously, when it uh, comes out, and it's announced uh, just last weekend, and then of course. You know, it's quite strange because you've known for so long and then everyone's, you know, really happy for you. And that's actually the nice bit. I think it's more, you know, for the family and friends who, you know, see what you do and then are obviously very proud of you and, and whatnot. Well, it's difficult because I've already known for like seven weeks, so I'm not <laughs> treated it the same way, but it's really, really nice. And uh, I look for, I really look forward to the day where we go down to receive it. Do we have to call you anything differently now, Leon? Do you have to curtsy? Well, you've done it officially, but I think you should. Well, that was Leon Smith there. Note to self, if you want to ingratiate yourself with Leon Smith, just do a little bow or a little curtsy, and uh, I'm sure he'd be very delighted. And use the word honourable. Must remember the honourable Leon Smith, mid-bow or mid-curtsy. I think that should just about do it. Well, we know where he'll be tomorrow. He will be watching that Murray-Edmund quarterfinal just to run you through the other quarterfinals on the order of play tomorrow. And in fact, one bonus match because Roberto, Bautista, Agut and Donald Young were actually called off for rain this evening with Bautista leading by one set to love. So they'll come back out at 11am tomorrow to resume that match. And then we get into the quarterfinals. First up, Steve Johnson against Marin Cilic. Johnson, of course, gas case conqueror, but really nice to see somebody as lovely as Marin Cilic and a former champion here doing so well once again. And can I just say, they weren't just called off for rain, they were called off for the end of the world. It is ankle deep in the walkways. The corridors were full of members cowering because no one wanted to go outside. It's the most ridiculous rain we even had. And you'll have heard in the Bernard Tomic interview, he referenced the thunder. And he actually said he was scared by it. I mean, this was, this was Armageddon-type stuff. I mean, and then I stupidly asked the question, will there be any more play tonight? Of course not. The place is flooded. It was even leaking in our office where we work. So so it really was end of the world stuff. But yes, sorry, Chilic, lovely man. He'll be keeping an eye on both Croatia and getting ready for his match. Getting ready for his match against Steve Johnson. Nice to see him doing so well, and and good to see a former champion still here. Following them, Andy Murray, Kyle Edmund. I think we've 
we've touched upon being excited about that one so we'll uh, we'll let that one lie then we'll have the winner of Bautista Agut and Donald Young as I say Bautista leading at the moment by a set to love they will come back out to play Milos Raonic who was pretty good today beating Yuzhi Vesely and then finally Gilles Muller against Bernard Tomic Tomic I think fancying his chances in that one by the sounds of things he's playing he played a lefty today Fernando Vidasco so he's well warmed up to play another lefty in Gilles Muller does have a very bad head-to-head, though, against Gilles Muller. He had positive ones against Anderson and against Vadasco. But yes, you're right, facing Fernando Vadasco, just getting used to the, the lefty way of playing and the lefty serve. He's, he's also got confidence at the moment. He's also got Leighton Hewitt in his corner. Yeah, who better? Four-time champion, Leighton Hewitt. There's a few of them. Nobody's ever got five. Andy Murray, of course, is going for that this year. But that's enough tennis, Gigi. How about we talk about another sport? What about squash? The man who knows what it takes to be a top-level squash player is is world champion Nick Matthews. He's 35 years of age. He's opening academy, an academy. He wants to inspire people to play squash. Um, and he came down on a visit to the Queen's Club and talked about all sorts of things, including who he'd most like from the tennis world to give a squash lesson to, and also about seeing a hidden part of the Queen's Club. Oh, it's been an incredibly fun day. Um, I'm seeing how it works behind the scenes. Really interesting to see how well the players get looked after for example I was really well looked after in the players lounge great food in there and um, John Inverdale took me on the real tennis court and gave me a bit of a lesson there played me without explaining the rules first and that's my excuses when he gave me a beating on that one but um, great fun unfortunately not being able to get on the squash courts because they're the media centre uh, this week but um, apart from that it's been amazing fun today Does the player lounge compare to anything you have in squash? It's just amazing. We, we play in some quite tight venues. The beauty of squash is you can pick up the court and put it anywhere in the world, for example, Grand Central Station in New York City. But the behind the scenes there is sort of underneath the stands where the players have a little bike and you warm up because space is so tight at the station. So a little bit of an extreme here, and it's nice to see how the other half live. Now, when I was young, I was told I had to play either squash or tennis. There's no way I could do both. When you look at these sports and knowing squash as well as you do, what differences and similarities do you see between the two? I think there's, considering they both have a rack in a ball, you know, they couldn't be more different, really. Obviously, the first one is the proximity of your opponent. You know, in tennis, they're miles away. You can't influence them directly in squash. You're so close to your opponent, you feel you're in each other's space. You're both trying to take that same space. That's the first difference. Obviously, the techniques as well are clearly different. But you know, I'm known to throw in a few top spins at squash every now and again. And Federer's got that sort of overhead slice that he plays when the serves going past him. So many similarities in having that hand-eye and tactical awareness, mental strength, physical capabilities are, are, are very similar as well. It's interesting that the likes of Stefan Edberg have gone on to become very, very good squash players. Yeah, I've actually played Stefan at squash, and he volleys everything he's really annoying um, he's I really underestimated the first time I played him and uh, got to made look a little bit silly the first three points until I realized I had to take him not like a club player like uh, you know like Stefano Berg at tennis so uh, yeah, that's fun and we should definitely one day get together they have that sport racket on now where they combine squash and tennis and table tennis and badminton we should definitely get the top four from each of those sports and you know Andy Murray and have a, an overall challenge to see who's the best at all the racket sports that'd be great fun if there was one tennis player you could give a squash lesson to, who would it be and why? It's got to be McEnroe. It'd be amazing to see him in those four walls. I think he would go a bit crazy in there, wouldn't he? I think he might feel sort of quite boxed in, and if he couldn't, he might end up sort of elbowing his opponent, getting frustrated, sort of, because he wanted to be in their space on the other side of the tennis court, did he? So imagine him at squash, that'd be great to see. Him in a confined space. Yeah. Now, away from the tennis, how does the rest of the year pan out for you? I imagine it's pretty busy. 
pretty busy, but um, nothing that compares to the schedule for these guys. We were just up there in commentary with Leon Smith before, and he was talking about the majors plus the Olympics plus the Davis Cup. And you know, our season starts again end of August, so I'm on off season now. The hard work pre-season starts next week. That's always the the bit you don't look forward to for any athlete, and that's when the pain starts, where I get grouchy at home, uh, complaining about Dom's walking down the stairs. So all that to look forward to, and then playing the tour seems the easy bit then really it's amazing when you speak to anyone I work a lot in football it's always pre-season is the bit they hate the dread of it because it doesn't get any easier it almost gets harder every year because you've done it before so you know what to expect but at the same time that's where you take your confidence for the whole season and in squash we've got um, world championships every year Um, I'd love to dearly add um, one of those to my collection before I retire you know I've not won the world since 2013 so I'd love to sign off with a big win and that's where my motivation is going to be day in day out this summer and hopefully I can take inspiration from seeing the likes of Andy at the top of the game this week Really nice guy, Nick Matthew, who was enjoying the test. I'm not sure how much he got to see because so many people wanted to speak to him and wanted to talk to him. And that biggest question in there, the one I asked him as well, the differences and similarities between the two sports. And you heard him finishing off there saying that Andy Murray is an inspiration and he too would like to be an inspiration to get young children into playing squash. So really great that he came down and we wish him well in achieving the rest of his goals for the rest of this year. But like so many people, whether they're players, friends or, or special guests, it really was, Kevin. It's all about the players' lounge. They absolutely, I know we asked them about it, but they absolutely love being down there. It's that cinema room, isn't it? It's that collection of DVDs. That cinema room looks so inviting every time I walk past it. I think... Wouldn't it be nice to have five minutes to chill out in there? Five minutes, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? And Leon Smith saying to us that he thought Dom Inglot looked absolutely fabulous after his spell in the grooming room. Oh, he did look good, though. He looked sharp. They did a very good job. He had the, he had the full works, hair, beard, everything. As much as I try and convince players, still no one's gone in for a pedicure. I'm waiting for that. I'm not sure they'll let us film it or they'd admit to having one at all. But it's something that can can take place down there. Anything your heart desires. All your dreams can come true in the Players' Lounge at the Aegon Championships. Well, speaking of being behind the scenes, uh, we were down there earlier and I happened upon Kelsey Anderson, who is, of course, the wife of Kevin Anderson. And she has talked very publicly on her blog and now her website about life on tour as a tennis wife. It's really interesting. Here's a little taste of what it's like. Kelsey, I've read a few interviews with you recently and you've described yourself as working for Kevin Anderson Incorporated. Tell me what you mean by that and what life's like for you working for Kevin Anderson Incorporated. Yeah, I mean, it's really fun to be an actual part of the team. I think uh, sometimes players' wives don't take as big of a role as I have, but Kevin's really enjoyed having me on board. This is now my fourth year traveling with the team, and I take care of all the little details. Um, I do his bookkeeping and uh, a lot of the accommodation and hotel bookings and all the little things that need to take place behind the scenes so Kevin can get from point A to point B, be well-fed, be well-rested, and show up and compete at the best of his abilities. You were a qualified accountant. In fact, you just received a promotion before, just before you decided to make the decision to, to go full-time as a tennis wife was that a difficult decision do you miss having that career away from tennis what's it been like since you made that decision I guess in some ways I do miss having um kind of my own thing going on and my own identity in a way but I also don't feel I'm missing out at all by uh being a part of Kevin's team and his program I 
I, it was a very difficult decision at the time. I, uh, I went back and forth a lot on whether it was something I wanted to do. At first, Kevin and I said, let's try it for six months and let's see how it goes. Um, the real thing that pushed us over the edge to make the decision was we were moving to Florida, and I knew I would kind of have to reestablish myself in a new office and a new organization if we did move. And so we felt like, let's, let's see how being together works. And it, it's just been so wonderful. We've gotten on so well doing it, and it's really been a privilege to be a part of it all and to watch his rise in the tennis uh, world. What was his position on it? Was he keen for you to, I'm sure he would have been desperate to have his wife with him on tour, but at the same time, was he nervous about you giving up something so big and important to, to be with him all the time? Um, he was, and I think he, he wanted to make sure I didn't feel that way. Um, I think we had been cautioned by a lot of people, you know, oh, you'll get bored a few months into it. You'll feel like you're just sitting around twiddling your thumbs. And um, I've got to be honest, I haven't felt that way at all. Maybe maybe that's a testament to Kevin, that he finds lots of things to keep me busy and helping him with. Um, but it's it's been really fun, and we've gotten to do and experience so many great things along the way. Um, and I think Kevin, I think he's happy to have me around. At least let's hope so. <laughs> and I guess one of the reasons you haven't got bored is because you've started doing this blog, and now the website as well. Yeah. Talk me through it, talk me through how it came about, and... Yeah and what they are essentially. Yeah, it feels like recently our new website has taken up a large share of my time. Uh, so our business is called Real Life Tennis. It's a tennis website that features both in-depth instructional materials from Kevin himself and um, a big lifestyle component from myself and Kevin. And uh, our other partner in the venture was his former coach, G.D. Jones. He's our best friend. And uh, he's a very talented tour coach. Um, he's coached both men and women on the WTA and ATP tours, and uh, we're really excited. It's been we've put our hearts and souls into this, and we're really excited to be kind of sharing all of our knowledge about the world of tennis uh, with the, with everybody else, with the masses, so they can kind of tap into that, uh, help their own games, learn more what our lives are about and kind of uh, gain a deeper understanding of what's going on. Your blog, Tour Wife Tales, has been going for a while. How has that been received by other players, by other tennis wives? Do people use the website now? Do you know of any other players and wives that, that use the website as a resource? How? What's their reaction? Yeah, people have been so, so wonderful about my blog. Um, I really never imagined it would be received the way it was. Uh, I was so shocked when Andy Murray retweeted my blog uh, back in August or September, and he called it absolutely fantastic. I was really excited. Um, but no, it's it's been such warm uh, feedback from people, and I, I'm so honored that people are interested in my story and the things I have to share and the tidbits that I'm able to divulge about our life and what we do from day to day and how how we uh, experience this whole world of tennis. I don't know if you're familiar with the term WAG or whether it's just a British term, wives and girlfriends. I think it originated at a World Cup a few years ago and it has a kind of derogatory undertone to it how do you feel about that being referred to that way do you see it in a derogatory way do you get annoyed that it has that connotation I mean it's easy to it's easy to be offended by anything if you let it uh it doesn't bother me at all I think you have to kind of embrace it and uh you know some people might think that we're just sitting around you know worrying about our hair and our makeup all day long but I know that that's certainly not the case uh tennis players they are drawn apparently to very strong successful women because I know so many uh, of the ladies that I've met here on tour have just been such accomplished individuals and it's really a testament that the guys are uh, are attracted to that kind of person. 
And just finally, what are your top tips for being a tennis wife? I hear you never sit in the stands without baby wipes. Is that true? Yeah, that's something I picked up actually from Kevin's cousin who lives here in the UK. Uh, she told me to always bring baby wipes with you in your bag because you never know. You never know if the seat's going to be filthy or if you're going to spill something on you at the last minute. And it's come in handy so much. So yeah, that's one of my tips. Um, I hope not here at the Queen's Club this yeah, week. I'm sure no. clean seats all the way. No, Queen's is not a problem. And then, you know, sometimes uh, I think there's... Uh, my my brother-in-law got pooped on by a bird once so it came in handy that the baby wipes were there um but other things you always have to have water always have to have sunglasses and a hat and uh um sunblock of course those are my biggest things mostly sun protection and hydration would be my tips because it's harder to be a spectator than people realize sometimes it's long days and extreme conditions so yeah well it's great to hear your insights best of luck with the website thank you so much thanks so there we have it, our fifth daily podcast from the 2016 Aegon Championships. There are still three more to go, three to finals day on Sunday. So do stay with us. Do keep tuning in. We are the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph. Thank you for listening. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.